Morning, church. How you doing? Good. Hey, good to see you if you are here in person. If you're joining us online, uh, thank you for being with us uh, there as well. If you would, actually go ahead and share the link uh, so you can invite some of those around you uh, to view the stream with you. Uh, anybody else feeling the weight of life right now? I mean, the circumstances of life right now just seem really weighty, don't they? Like if we could take all the circumstances, if we could hold it, I mean, it would feel like an incredible weight. Just everything that's going on in the world. And, and if I'm honest, if I'm a little vulnerable with you, uh, you know, I've, I've sensed that lately and, and my anxiety has been a little elevated. I'm probably not the only one in the room who has felt that. And I know as believers, we're supposed to cast our cares on him and, and let him take care of it. But it's a, it's a struggle, right? It seems it, more so in certain seasons than others. And right now feels like one of those. I mean, just consider these words, lockdown, COVID, mask, Afghanistan, that's a new one for us, vaccine, mandates, passports. I mean, all of these words right now seem to carry a weight to them. And it's like the only thing that we can talk about. It's like those are the only words that make up any of our conversations these days. All right, I bet if you went back and thought, you probably haven't gone the last month, one day, without using at least one of those words. In fact, it's likely you didn't even make it into church this morning, to your seat, without using one of those words or reading about one of them somewhere. I mean, it's constant. It's like, have you been vaccinated? I don't know. Have you? Should I wear a mask? I don't know. What do we do? What's going on in Afghanistan? Oh, yeah, by the way, it's the 20th anniversary of 9-11 next week. It's like just all these things keep layering on top of each other, and they're, they're heavy, I have a teacher uh, who is, uh, I have a friend who is a teacher, and uh, she said it's all they talk about all day long is, is COVID-related things, and it's so heavy, it feels. I read a Facebook post the other day that I, I really enjoyed. It said, all I want to see anymore are pictures of what you're eating and of your cute puppy. Anybody else kind of feel that sentiment? It's like, I just don't want to deal with that stuff. I just want to see pictures of your cute puppies. Or if you're a cat person, I guess, videos of cats. And it's a whole YouTube sensation is cat videos. Right? But, but the more I reflected on that, I thought, well, that's not really helpful either. Right? Really, that's just kind of retreatism. That's just kind of holding myself away. You know, it's just kind of isolating myself from the rest of the world and trying to ignore any negativity so I can just live in this ignorance, this bliss world, and I don't have to deal with anyone's pain or suffering or even know anything that's going on. And it's like, well, that's not really helpful either. So I'm, it's like, okay, do I, do I worry about it and do I spend all this time talking about it or do I just forget it and pretend like all there is in the world is good food and cute puppies? It's like, surely there's a better method. Surely there's something else I could spend my time talking about and thinking about. Maybe what we need to do is not spend so much time talking about all the weighty things or trying to avoid them. Maybe what we need to do is what Paul told the church in Philippi almost 2,000 years ago. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is praiseworthy, think about such things. I'm going to read that again. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure and lovely, 
and admirable, if anything is praiseworthy, think about such things. Can we do that this morning? Can we spend some time talking about these things and not just all the weight of the things going on in the world? Anybody else want to do that with me this morning? Amen, right? Let's talk about those things. I'm glad you feel that way because if you didn't, the rest of the morning would be awkward. Okay? So we're going to talk about some things that will bring life to us, that will maybe not be so heavy, but will actually lift us and make life a little bit lighter. I'm going to focus on some things that are true. And so let me ask you this. Where would you turn to hear a story of good news? Where would you turn? Where would be the first place you would look if you're like, I just want something to lift my spirit right now. I just want to not deal with all this weighty stuff. I just want to feel better. Where would you go? If you're anything like me, country music. Country music, and some of you are chuckling, and there's some closet country fans out here, I'm sure, has a way of just lifting your spirit. You turn on 90s country on the Spotify playlist, and you're instantly transported to a better time, it feels like. All right, it's just, it just lifts your spirits. Now, the theology is crazy, and it's wacky, but it just makes you feel better, doesn't it? And yet, that's not helpful, right? Of course, the place we need to look, the place we need to turn is the Bible. If you want to find a story about good news, that's what it is. It's a story about good news. There's no other app, no other television series, no other report you could read, no letter you could read, nothing else that would compare to the story that you find in scripture. Nothing else can possibly compare to it. It is a sacred yet living text that deals with our reality, but does so in a way that leaves us hopeful. All right, the Bible doesn't, it's not a retreatism. It's not like, hey, we go to the Bible to try to get away from our problems. Now, the Bible is full of problems, right? The Bible deals with war and famine and death and disease, and poverty, family dysfunction, betrayal, failed governments, bad leadership, and everything in between there. So we don't go to the Bible to retreat from our issues, We go to the Bible because it deals with those issues, yet in a way that brings life. And really, those issues, those those weighty things actually become the background to the greater story. War and famine and death and disease and poverty and starvation, all those things become the background noise to an even larger story, to a greater story that we get drawn into when we really look at scripture, you see the, the good news story is really one of faith, hope, and love. The story of scripture is one of faith, hope, and love. Look at what Peter writes. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The story of scripture is one of hope and it's not like a, it's not like an earthly hope. It's not like, oh, I wish this happens or I have a dream that one day this will happen. No. In the original language, living hope meant an eager expectation. A living hope, an eager expectation that God is up to something good. That's why as believers, we can have hope despite our loss. We can have hope that God will provide another job. We can have hope that our grief won't last forever. We can have hope that we can live a life with anxiety and still be a child of God and called to do his work. We can still have hope in the midst of incredible suffering. We can have hope 
that regardless of what the medical diagnosis is, God's in control. We can have hope that our loved one has a chance to get better. Or we have hope that things will work out for the good of those who love and are called according to his name. We have hope that tomorrow will be better than today. And if it isn't, maybe the day after that will be better. And if all of our days are bad, we'll have hope that eventually we'll walk into a place where there is no more pain and there is no more suffering and there is no more sorrow and there is no more crying or pain for the old order of things will have been gone and we will enter into a new life. That's called eternal hope. It isn't anchored in anything in this world. The story of scripture is one about hope. Hope. Uh, Dr. King said it this way. He said, everything that is done in the world is done by hope. It's done through hope. See, hope is light. It's not heavy. It's light. It lifts us. It fills us with something better than what the world can offer. And so the story of scripture is one of hope, but it's also one of faith. Hebrews 11, one says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. So the story of scripture is one of hope, brings life, and it's one of faith. It's a life-giving element. And it's not a blind faith. It's not a naive faith. It's not like, oh, well, yeah, religion or faith, that's just for, you know, people who are ignorant. No. It's a faith we choose. We all have faith in something or someone. We choose to place ours in Christ. And the Bible is full. In fact, you could do it this week if you want to. Go to Hebrews chapter 11, and you can read about all the characters, basically the Old Testament, and their faith. We call it the Hall of Faith. And you could read through. But here's just a few highlights. Right? Faith caused Noah to build a boat in the middle of a desert. Abraham uprooted his family and moved around until God planted him. Joseph remained faithful even when he was sold into slavery by his brothers, accused of adultery, imprisoned, and then eventually made powerful. He stayed faithful through all of that. Moses crossed an ocean and led a pilgrimage. Rahab was a prostitute and yet protected God's people and found favor. David, King David fought lions, lust, and leadership through his faith in Christ. And the list goes on and on and on. So the story of scripture is one of hope, but it's also one of faith. And so that means we ought to step into that story. Look at what the end of this chapter says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, all those guys I just mentioned, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Right, it's by faith that we can trust that God is in control of every situation. There's no situation you will read about in a headline that God is not capable of controlling. It's by faith that we can make hard, difficult decisions in life. It's by faith that we can trust that God will bring your wayward child back to your family and back to Christ. It's by faith that we can live for Christ in a world that is growing increasingly antagonistic toward him. It's by faith that we'll still speak his name, and we'll still share his gospel every day. It's by faith that we can choose to see the good in people rather than their problems. And so the story of, of the scriptures 
is one of hope and one of faith. And those two things together are powerful. And they'll, they'll prompt change. But you add one more ingredient to that combination, and you've got something that's unstoppable. You've got something that's unstoppable. The story, the story of Scripture is one of hope, it's one of faith, but it's also one of love. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Binds everything together in perfect harmony. Right, the story of Scripture is one of love, love that is kind and love that is patient and love that doesn't boast and love that doesn't hold grudges and love that looks out for the good of other people. Right, that is the love of Scripture. Right, It's by love that we can see potentials in, uh, potential in others and not just their current problems. It's with love that we can see beyond someone's sin and see them for the potential and see them as God's child. We can, we can through love, Love others unconditionally. It's a love that allows us to love and be loved in return. It's a love that prompts us to love our enemies. It's a love that destroys evil. It conquers strongholds. It's a love that empowers you to forgive even when someone has harmed you. The story of Scripture is a story of faith and of hope and of love. And those things bring life. Those things together, those things in, together in harmony are not heavy. They're light and they're life-giving, not life-draining. And so it, it feels like we're kind of caught between two stories. All right, we have a story that the, the world gives us, which is a fear and destruction and doubt and skepticism. And yet we have one in scripture that is of faith and hope and love of a God who created all things. Really, what we're left with is a story of destruction or destination. We have a story of destruction and a story of destination, right? The world will offer us fear and doubt and bitterness and skepticism and anger and resentment and yelling and screaming and division and divorce and all the bad things. And yet the Bible will offer us a story of love and joy and peace and patience and faithfulness and goodness and gentleness and kindness and self-control, right? That's what the story of scripture will offer us. So let me ask you this question. Which story do you want to be a part of? Which story are you currently a part of? If you were to really think about your life, are you, are you caught up in the story of destruction and all the weight of the things that are going on in life? Or are you a part of the story of hope and of faith and of love and of one of destination? Because the choice is ours. We're given the opportunity to choose which story we want to be a part of. Look at the way Matthew says it. Chapter 7, he says, Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Narrow is the road that leads to life. And that's not a bad thing. It sounds like it's exclusive. Like, oh, it can, it can only be this, and that's protective. It's like, no, there's a, there's a path that you can follow that will protect you, right? And, and bring goodness to 
your life, and it's narrow. And, and what that's really talking about is there's only one way to access the faith and hope and love that's available through Scripture, and it's through the person of Jesus. He's the embodiment of faith, hope, and love. His death, burial, and resurrection on the cross exemplify those things. In fact, Jesus said this about himself. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Somebody else wasn't writing that. He said that about himself. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the narrow way that leads to life. And that's good news. Someone can rescue us from this earthly story of destruction. And so if you're, if you're in the room today or you're online and you've never really accepted Jesus, if you've never really grabbed hold of his salvation, I'd encourage you maybe to skip the rest of the service and go out in the lobby. If you're online, let your host know. In fact, if you're stuck in the middle of a row, just step over someone. They'll get over it. If you're on your way to meet Jesus, I think they'll be okay. All right? And go out in the lobby. We have some volunteers out there that would love to talk with you directly about what it looks like to surrender your life to Jesus and to move from the story of destruction into the story of destination, which is one of eternal hope and salvation. And so if you're here in the room and you need to talk to somebody, there's no shame. Just get up and, and go out there. If you're online, let your host know and you can open up a chat and start talking about what it looks like to surrender to Jesus because faith, hope, and love won't be found anywhere else. He is the narrow way that leads to life. I'd encourage you to do that. You know, for the rest of us in the room, let me, let me ask this question. It's kind of a convicting question for us. Which story do we invite people into? Which story are we inviting people into? You know, our job is to do what Matthew said in chapter 28. He said, go and make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. We call that the Great Commission around here. We just, we abbreviate that to say to help everyone find and follow Jesus. That's our job is to invite others into the story of the gospel. But I wonder if you really evaluated your conversations over the last month, if you really looked over your social media post, if you really evaluated the things you've been reading and, and consuming and putting into your life, are they things that are inviting people into the story of faith, hope, and love? Or is it inviting them into just the same old story that they're going to get all the time? which is one of destruction. You know, our job is to go and make disciples. But I wonder for some of us lately, if we've misinterpreted it to read more like this. Go and make converts. Baptize them in the name of your personal cause and teach them all the latest and greatest research and ideas you have. I wonder if any of us have misinterpreted the Great Commission to be some sort of personal cause of our own. And what we do is really feed into destruction rather than the story of destination. And so which story are you inviting people into? What story does your life invite people into? Because I think you'll find it does one or the other. You know, faith, hope, and love is kind of like this three-legged stool. Now, I built this, and I don't have a whole lot of confidence in my craftsmanship, so I'm not going to sit on it, okay? It's for a display use only, Okay? Uh, the scripture says that a cord of three strands is not easily broken. 
right? And we have this three-legged stool and it provides confidence when we sit on it, if it was built with quality, All right? It provides stability. It provides rest, right? And that's the purpose of this and the three legs give it strength. It gives us a foundation and that's faith, hope, and love. We can be confident and stable and restful in that. That's a good thing. And listen, the, the only place someone is going to get this message of faith, hope, and love combined in unity is the church. The only place you will find faith, hope, and love together is in the church. It's the only place. Right? Because the world will, they'll do its, the world will do its best to try and offer you something. Right? The world's really good about trying to offer you some hope. Oh, if you'll, if you'll just do this, or you'll just do that, or if you just believe this thing, or follow this person, or take this person's advice, or read this news station, or follow this political party, if you'll just do this, there'll be hope that tomorrow will be better than today, right? The, the world will try to offer you hope, but what it's lacking is faith, and it's probably lacking love. Right? And, and the world will, it'll try to give you some faith that if you'll just do this, or do that, or or listen to this person, that person again. If you'll just join this movement, this cause. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's faith that, that things will get better. This country, will, it'll be fine if we'll just do this or that, right? But what it's probably missing is hope. And it's probably missing some love. And there's no shortage of places in the world that will try to offer you love today, right? Well, if you, we'll accept you as you are. You can, you can, you can come and, and, you know, just be yourself and we'll embrace that. And we're, we're a loving community and, and this movement or that cause will, will do all those things and they'll, they'll try to provide that for you. But what you actually end up with is something that looks like the gospel. It looks like the same thing. It appears to be identical, but what it is is a cheap gospel and an imitation. And so the world will try to offer you some faith. It'll try to offer you some hope. It'll try to offer you some love, but it won't do it together. The church is the only place where we will find these things together in harmony. So let me ask us this question. Which stool are you offering people? If you look at your life, if I look at my life and the things I talk about, and the things I post about and the conversations I have and the things I read, am I offering people a confidence and a stability and a hope that's only found in Christ? Or am I offering something that looks similar, but it's not? And what I'm actually offering them is something that's had its legs cut from under it. I'm not going to sit on this right now. I have even less confidence now, especially because I did this first service, so now it's even weaker, right? No way I'm sitting on it. If you want, if you want to try it, you're more than welcome. It'll be a great object lesson. All right, that doesn't provide confidence or stability or rest. All that provides is fear and doubt and skepticism and resentment, and anger, and anxiety, and tension, bitterness. Right? We need to invite people into the story of the good news that is the gospel. We need to do that in the way that we talk, in the way that we live, in the things that we read, the things that we let into our hearts and our minds will affect what comes out. And so we have to be careful, and we, we need to invite people into the right Story And so we've been in a series called Next, where we've been challenging you to take some next steps. This morning, I want to challenge you 
encourage you to invite people to church. Invite so that people can be transformed by the faith, hope, and love found only in Jesus Christ. There's nowhere else that someone can go where they will find those three things together in a way that will bring life to them. Invite people to church. It's something that we should be continually doing. Think back over the last month. Have you invited anyone to church? Or have you shared a lot of information that you've read about a lot of different things? Which are we doing with our time, our talents, and our treasure? Invite people to church because it's the only place they will get the message of faith, hope, and love together through Jesus Christ that'll change their lives for the better. Amen to that? I want you guys to stand with me. Go ahead and stand up with me, stretch a little bit. We're calling next Sunday Comeback Sunday. Just a fancy little title we've given it. Every Sunday is a great Sunday in the house of the Lord. But we're calling next Sunday Comeback Sunday, and we're challenging you to invite everyone you know. Invite the people you love and invite the people you don't. Because we want to help everyone find and follow Jesus. Right? For some people, uh, they've waited long enough to come back to church. And some of us have waited long enough to invite someone to church. So I want to encourage you, invite, 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 invite people to church. When you leave today, there's going to be cards hanging on the wall. All we want you to do is tear off the bottom, sign it, and basically pledge that you're going to invite somebody. A little bit of accountability. Don't sign it if you don't plan to invite because that would be lying. That's not good. We did a series on that back in the summer. Okay. You take the top half, and that's an invitation card. We actually have some other invitations that are out there on the tables that you can grab at any time. Take more than what you need. And be ready to invite on any occasion. It doesn't matter if they like you invite them. Hey, come to church with me. Yeah, we're good. Okay. Invite them next week. Invite. Because we know the power of faith, hope, and love. You have experienced it, many of you, in your life. Right? Which stool are you offering them? Are you offering them the stool that will give confidence in life? Or are you offering them the stool of destruction and just watching and waiting and saying, well, I told you so, when they fall? Invite them to church because it's the only place that they will hear the gospel about faith, hope, and love in the person of Jesus Christ and their life will be transformed. A couple of things I want to celebrate. Next Sunday, we're reopening kids programming 930 and 11. Will you celebrate that? It's been over a year. It's been over a year since we've had children's programming both hours. So if you're inviting a family, tell them, hey, we've got programming both hours for your kids. They can hear the gospel presentation in a way that will influence their lives in a way that they can understand. And you can come in the main lobby with me. We'll get some coffee and we'll learn about Jesus together. Middle school and high school worship is moving to 9, 30, and 11. Celebrate that with me, right? So if you're inviting a family and they've got a middle schooler or a high schooler, we've got programming for them all on Sunday morning. Everyone can hear the gospel of faith, hope, and love for the person of Jesus Christ that will transform their lives in a way that they can understand. The best time to invite is now. We've got multiple baptisms planned for next Sunday, and we're hoping for more. And so I, I pray and I hope that you will invite people because here's the truth. Invite people so they can be transformed by the faith, hope, and love found only in Jesus Christ. And and I don't want to leave my country music fans triggered, okay? I mentioned country music earlier. 
right? There's a famous song by Alan Jackson. It's called, Where Were You When the World Stopped Turning? He wrote that in memory of 9-11. And that's a great line, but my favorite line in that song is actually in the chorus where he, he quotes the Bible. And he says, you know, faith, hope, and love are some good things he gave us. And the greatest is love. Will you invite people into that story with me? Let's pray. God, thank you for this place that we can come and we can praise you and lift your name high. Give us the courage and the confidence to invite regardless of someone's reaction because we care more about their transformation than we do about our reputation. May we invite them into your good news story about how faith, hope, and love embodied in Christ will transform their life in the world. Give us that courage, Lord. It's in your name that we pray. And the church said, amen.